People have gathered around ideas since the beginning of time. Each successful collaboration pushing innovation forward, building a stronger future. Motorists Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have combined decades of experience to create an even better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders. Encircling businesses and individuals with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome everyone to episode 218 of the NBA Podcast. I'm Brian Deporek, and today we're going to go through some of the early returns on the 2019 playoffs. We're going to go through every series and talk about what, we see, what we've seen so far, some adjustments we think that we might see moving forward, and give some updated predictions. Before we get to all that, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter, at Spreaker. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's going well, Brian. Was this episode 218? Yeah. Was that how many points the Warriors were up on the Clippers <laughs> before? <laughs> Actually... There, there was a three and a one involved. I'm not sure in what order, yeah. if there was something separating, a hyphen separating maybe. But Well, let's ignore the hyphen and just say they blew a three-one lead. Correct. Yeah. 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 NBA Twitter has been like both a great place and a horrible place <laughs> over the start of the playoffs. It's like when a, te- when a reviled team chokes in a magnificent way, it's great. But then like we've had some... Just very dumb conversations on NBA Twitter as well. Of course. Which we will, which we will get to uh, as we go through these series. So, do you, do you think the Warriors would actually have preferred to being up by 40 <laughs> just so they could avoid the 3-1 jokes? Or like 15. Like, I think they yeah, would rather uh, just like, all right, we blew a 15-point lead. That's fine. Just like not... Or if, even if they blew a 30-point lead or a 32-point lead, just not yep. 31. 31. It had to be right. 31. God. <laughs> yeah, it's not like... I read every story from The Athletic about it. I know, like, in one of them, Quinn Cook was like, oh, man, I bet I bet Twitter's having fun with that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we were. Yeah, at least they knew. Um, before we get to Clippers Warriors, let's start with Denver-San Antonio, since I think that's been, frankly, probably the most competitive series out of all of these. I think, first of all, let's just acknowledge, like, the playoffs have been more surprising, I think, than we expected coming in. I mean, there were yeah. four splits so far, and we, we have yet to see game two of Houston, Utah, Milwaukee, Detroit, Boston, Indiana. But out of the five ga- out of the five series that have had two games played, only Portland OKC is the only one that the home team won both games. And that was <laughs> that was the one where the home team was the underdog in the series. So Exactly. So a lot of upsets so far. Um Denver-San Antonio, we expected, was going to be probably the most evenly matched first-round series. And so far, that's played out uh, exactly as expected. You know, the we said it coming into these series that 
Denver out-talents San Antonio, but mm-hmm. the Spurs just have so much more experience and playoff experience. And that, I mean, for the first seven quarters of this series, you could really see that. Like, the Spurs just out-executed the Nuggets in game one down the stretch. And then, you know, game two, they're up double-digit points uh, throughout a lot of the first half. And then in, into the second half, they had as much of a 19-point lead. It's like every time the Nuggets would start to mount a rally, the Spurs would either call a timeout to just kill the momentum in the arena or or just hit, you know, like hit a pull-up jumper and just like quash that momentum too. Um, but then, of course, the fourth quarter comes. And Jamal Murray, man, he's 0 of 8. Three points in the first three quarters. Goes off for 21 points on 8 of 9 shooting in the fourth. And I don't even... I, I wish he didn't even take that last shot because it was, like, meaningless at the time. He could have just had a perfect quarter. But it, he effectively did. Like, this is the Jamal Murray... I mean, you and I have been high on this kid a lot. And I know mm-hmm. he's streaky, but he's young, so it's expected. But, like, this is the upside we see with this kid. This is why we keep saying... If you're going to look for an archetype of a point guard to put next to Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray's that guy. Or just any ball-dominant player, really. Yeah. Because whenever remember how often we talk about point guards that shouldn't necessarily be ball-dominant and should be the, the rich man's version of Derek Fisher? Yeah. Like, Jamal Murray is it. And that's just not just a rich man, but like, that's a billionaire's version of Derek Fisher, <laughs> right. obviously. Right. But... I mean, he, he's the type of guy you can actually put into virtually every team because mm-hmm. he'll play off the bounce. And if you have a dominant ball-dominant point guard, then he'll just move to the off-guard position. Like, he's he's multi-functional, which just helps Denver out so much. And he's so dynamic, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. kudos to Mike Malone, I think. Because after the game, you know, during the game, it was like... They're getting beaten so much, and he just looked so lost. There was starting to be some clamoring for, okay, maybe we should just roll with Monte Morris. They're like, let's throw Isaiah Thomas in because this, you know, it looks like this series is slipping away from the Nuggets. They're about to go down 0-2 at home, heading back to San Antonio where the Spurs have been lights out this season. Like, if they don't steal this game, it's over. Uh, But Mike Malone after the game was like, no, I know how important these minutes are and this development time is for jamal murray and what message does it send if i pull him right now it said you know then he's like coach has no faith in me coach doesn't have my back so he was like basically i'm gonna ride or die with jamal murray and to his credit it worked out just at the nick of time yeah and here i just want to give a shout out to tj mcbride friend of the Mm -hmm. podcast Mm -hmm. TJ McBride from mile high sports who actually had a huge piece up this morning i think for 2200 words or something uh on mike malone and and basically how he viewed game two and 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 his belief is in in his own players that is that is definitely worth a read so mile high sports tj mcbride it's article on 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 malone you you yeah you shouldn't miss it nice yeah i'm afraid tj might have muted me last night because Definitely, I I accidentally reverse jinxed the Spurs midway through the third quarter, and to which I apologized to Sarah and Jesse. But I I, I said uh, something along the lines of like, 
Jesse's impending retweet Armageddon is going to be legendary because, you know, <laughs> come at like weeks leading up to this series, he's been saying like, I'm excited for Aldrich to outplay Jokic and just start retweeting a bunch of bad takes. And, you know, midway through the third, it looks like right? that was going to happen in less than a week. But now, now I think this is a series again. Uh, so they head back to San Antonio. The Spurs again have been really good at home. Uh, they should be encouraged I mean, like, yeah, they got buried by Jamal Murray in an avalanche in the fourth, and Paul Millsap also had a really good game. But LaMarcus Aldridge has been fine. He's just doing LaMarcus Aldridge things. DeMar DeRozan had 31 points last night, game high. Right. Uh, You know, he's kind of struggled a bit in the first game, but the whole, like, playoff choker DeMar DeRozan narrative has not totally come to fruition yet. Also, Derek White is just an animal, man. Just... Mm -hmm. When him and DeJunte Murray are paired together next year, I don't know how anyone scores against them. It's terrifying. Like, yeah. every Western Conference backcourt that faces the Spurs in these playoffs, whether it's just the Nuggets or they move on, should be thankful that this is the last time you're ever going to score against the Spurs. Here's what I love about Derek White. So when he came in, I was pretty high on him as well mm-hmm. because I, I just I thought I found his experience level and, and professionalism just to be... You know, unmistakably, like it was just so, so absolutely, you know, transparent that he was going to fit into that system. Yeah. And he's, he's active. He has what I, I, you know, obviously every player has an ego, but do you catch my drift if I say he has no ego in that, in that grander scheme of things? Sense? Yeah. Yeah. Like he, he's not in it for his, his own gain necessarily. Like there's a team concept built, you're just hard drived into him or hardwired, it's called. It, I just love the way that he competes. Like, yeah. all the, the intangible stuff that you can talk about a player or you can mention about a player. Like, he just fits that box. Yeah. Like, he's such a guy. And I I would have just killed to have his prime coincide with Tim's back mm-hmm. in the day. Could you imagine Derek White on that, you know, the, the legendary Spurs teams? Like, he would have fit right in. Yeah. Perfectly. Oh, for sure. You know what I would have killed for? The Sixers to have traded up and not chosen Anze Pizachniks, but instead <laughs> chosen Derek White, who went four picks later. Thanks, thanks as always, Brian Colangelo. Do you think he would had, have had the same development? I, I obviously yeah, the I, same drive great. would have been there, but I, I he just seems like such a Spursy player. Yeah, that oh, I'm not sure. I remember, yeah. like, I feel like I tweeted that night. Like, of course the Spurs get this guy. Like, he is the quintessential like. Oh crap! He fell to twenty nine. The Spurs got him, and he's going to be yeah. a monster in two years. And lo and behold, here we go. Um, he's also the tallest six four player I think think I've seen. Like <laughs> he does not look six four, and he does certainly doesn't play six four. Yeah, yeah. He he's just a defensive pest. So I'm excited to see what happens in this series. I picked Spurs in six uh, coming in. I I believe you had the Nuggets in six or seven. Yeah. What's your updated prediction? Same so far. I I'm waffling between Spurs and six and Nuggets and seven. I'm a little yeah. shook after last night. Just because, like again, the Spurs had the series in the bag for the first seven quarters. I don't want to overreact to one quarter, but I could also see this becoming an avalanche, like snowballing into an avalanche for Jamal Murray, where he's just got that confidence back and like right. for a shooter like him, where he is so streaky, getting that confidence and getting over those playoff jitters is huge. So, I, right. I think this is the best first round series either way that we're gonna moving forward. Yeah. I think it's gonna be okay. the most entertaining one. 
Yeah, it's, it's definitely on the watch list. That's for yeah. sure. I mean, and I will say this: like, it's not going to surprise me one bit if San Antonio pulls this out. I mean, yeah. I'm sitting here selecting Denver, but I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever. Right. Yeah, yeah. It, it feels so. like the most up in the air series of anyone. Right. Yeah. So before you know, Spurs fans just flay by mentions like, yeah. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be some sort of, uh, you know, hot take to say that you guys come in off of left field and take it. Like obviously, you're right there. Like, right. You, this is completely up in the air. Correct. Uh, before we get to Warriors Clippers, hey Mort, are you tired of clickbait ads, pop up videos, talking head hyperbole, big market bias, and data selling? Are you tired of soap operas, wild speculation, and unnamed sources? Are you tired of padding the stats of CEOs and shareholders while your favorite content creators get paid pennies for their work? At bballwriters.com, they are too. That's why they created the Basketball Writers. At bballwriters.com, they concentrate on just the game and everything they love about it. The NBA, WNBA, EuroLeague, Fantasy Basketball, and many more corners of the Hoops universe. All in one place on a blazingly fast, clean site that lets you choose which writer to directly support while still enjoying all of the content from the whole team. Elevate the conversation, elevate the game. We'll see you at bballwriters.com, and don't forget to enter the code the NBA Pod for 10% off your annual, monthly, or daily subscription. That is the NBA Pod. Reminder, you can find both Mort and I on there. Uh, I had a preview of Sixers Nets, or a preview of Game 2 of Sixers Nets when I was despondent after Game 1, so you could go back and we'll get to that series in a second, but... Plenty of good playoff coverage uh, about all the series. So, bballwriters.com, the NBA. And draft coverage. And draft coverage. And draft coverage. Yeah, because I have a piece out where I basically play NBA Cupid. Oh, yeah. Draft Cupid. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, So, uh, and it's part one. I don't know when part two is going to hit, but it'll be soon. Nice. Yeah. So, bballwriters.com, put in the code, the NBA pod for 10% off. Uh, Okay. So, let's go to Warriors Clippers. First game of the series, it looked like exactly what we expected. The Warriors just have too much talent for the Clippers. Second game of the series, it looked like what we expected. The Warriors have too much talent. They go up 31 points, as we have mentioned. (laughs) The Clippers just don't know when to quit. And I love this about them. Like, they are the only team, I think really the only team in the league that would not have folded in that scenario. Like, most, I mean, when the Nets got down that big in game two... Kenny Atkinson would just call them the bench for the whole fourth quarter. He's like, there's no point. The Clippers, it's just like, I don't know what it is about them. I think They're just like this gritty, hard-nosed, like the Pat Beverly, Montrez Heralds of the world just refuse to back down. So they come back, erase a 31-point lead, steal home court advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get to any analysis in this series, though, Let's take a moment of silence for DeMarcus Cousins, who suffered yeah. some degree of a quad tear. We don't know how severe. There is slight hope that he would be back for the finals. So that implies to me it's not like a full tear, thankfully. Yeah, it's non-surgical uh, as well, right? Yeah, so hopefully he should be healthy for free agency for next season like it doesn't sound like it is as serious as the achilles that he suffered last season thankfully but it still just sucks so much man like yeah it's the guy worked so hard to get back to this point i'm worried that he's now he's got two major injuries hanging over him going into this free agency 
I just wanted to see Boogie win a ring, and he still might, but it's yeah. you know it's not the same as him being on the court to do it. So thoughts and prayers up for Boogie Cousins or Demarcus Cousins. Sorry, sorry, Demarcus. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that nickname, man. It's yeah, too good. Um, I get it. And like I want to say this as a disclaimer because in either this episode or the coming episodes, we will end up talking about how the Warriors move forward without him. And, you know, I've seen a lot of analysis. Like, yeah, it's not going to matter all that much in the long run. And I get that, but I also don't want to diminish what DeMarcus brought to that team. Right. No, I mean, obviously, he didn't play a full season. Mm -hmm. And when he did come back, there was, and there still is, you know, an adjustment period. Yeah. Where he needs to figure out, you know, how to get his shots and, and... what his role is defensively, all these things. And when this happened, that was just like, that was, that was just a punch to the gut or, yeah. or the heart, really, because like this was, you know, his first playoffs, like he was so happy just to be there. The The only, only silver lining I can find with this is that maybe he returns to Golden State because yeah. of this. Like yeah. maybe the market just won't be there, This which would suck for him. And that's not a sil- right. silver lining for him, right. Right. obviously, but that would be a silver lining for for uh, for the fans because yeah. I actually like seeing Demarcus in Golden State. I know that that goes against the whole you know parody angle that a lot of fans are are preaching about, but I kind of like it. I think his style, I think his his arrogance, really. Because let's let's just be honest, he has a a certain level of arrogance to him that is, when applied correctly, extremely helpful to him as a basketball player. Yeah. And I think he kind of fits that team because they're also unselfish and what I think they need this dog mm-hmm. that is just very much in you know able to to stir things up both on and off the court. I would love to see him like just extend his stay in Golden State. And having said that, I you know my first priority would have him being healthy and earning a lot of money in the open market. Yeah. But given that that's unfortunately maybe not the case then let's see what happens this summer. Yeah. I, I still have faith the Lakers max him either way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't think we need to go too deep into this series. The big question looming over it is, was this upset just the Warriors getting complacent and, you know, not taking the rest of the game seriously? Or are they, you know, did the Clippers show something in game two that makes you think, oh man, like they, they have... Not even a, like a legit shot, but they have a chance to actually knock the Warriors off. I think it would be so cruel and unfair to put this on Golden State as them not showing up or not responding. Mm-hmm. Like, this was a hell of a performance from the Clippers. Yeah. And I think just disregarding that or putting that on someone else is just wrong. Because you actually said it at the top. You know, th- this is a team that just doesn't know how to quit. It's been like this for at least half a season now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I actually wrote a piece about this on my Danish Patreon because that's that's a team, the Clippers, where even if they fail miserably in free agency, they still have a good team. Yeah. Like, they can't, they've put themselves up so great, you can't really go wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, if they don't get Kawhi or Kyrie or Durant or whatever... Like, that's fine. They will have a young core. They will have very manageable contracts. 
and they will have a, a work ethic and a camaraderie and a team chemistry level that's easy to build upon. Like players, maybe not superstar players, but you know, good quality starters would be interested in going there. Like they've made themselves very, very attractive. I'm extremely impressed. And I think part of it is Doc just kind of going back to focusing on coaching. Yeah. Like no more having to deal with agents and players and whatnot. Like, well, yeah, only players, but in in a basketball sense, right? Right. Like right. not no more negotiating. Like now it's just basketball. Yeah. I think that's that's opened everything up for him. And Steve Ballmer, you know, to his credit, just he got over new owner syndrome real quick. Yeah, I mean, you you said it. I I think, and I'm writing this. I don't know where it's gonna go up, but like the Clippers. Game two, there is no better free agent pitch than what the Clippers did in game two. Right. And so, like, moving forward, I don't care what happens in this series. They're going to be, if not the top free agent destination this summer, they're going to be one of the very top. And I'm yeah. terrified. Like, if this team adds Kawhi Leonard next year, I'm terrified <laughs> of them. Yeah. As rumored, you know, he's had rumored interest for a while. And Lloyd knows they're after him, too. So, yeah, they're in great shape either way. I still think this thing ends in five. I mean, I think this is a nice wake-up call for the Warriors. And I think they're going to come out in game three and just blow the doors off. I I think Kevin Durant was uncharacteristically sloppy with the ball in game two. He had nine turnovers. I think Pat Beverly has just been annoying the hell out of him. Um, But, I mean, he's got, what, like a 10-inch size difference? I think they know... He needs to win that matchup if they're going to win this series. Steph Curry got into foul trouble in Game 2, which likely will not be the case moving forward. So I think the Warriors are still going to cruise. But again, like shouts to the Clippers, man. They, this is one hell of a performance. And I I wish them the best this summer. I am very glad the Sixers are not in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so side note on that, because I actually got a question from a friend of mine, which was very interesting. I want to relay it here. So because of the Clippers now, they, they've changed their culture. They are where they are right now. Like they, it's it's like the CP3 era is done with. The Donald Sterling era is done with. Like all of that is just back. Mm-hmm. Is now the time to rebrand themselves with a, with a new name? Mm-hmm. Like just going all in because they have like steady ownership and just rid themselves of, you know, the Clippers aura. Do you I don't know think what I they mean? They need to. Like they've rid they themselves need... of the aura, though. Yeah, think... no, but I when when people say the Clippers, like it's yeah. always going to have certain, I don't know, certain connections. I, I mean, I, I understand the question. I like get what they're saying, but I think what they're doing on the court is they don't like changing the name is not going to overhaul the franchise it's having stable ownership having a stable general manager in front office having a good coach having like gritty hard-nosed players which they've done yeah so like i i frankly think like changing the meaning of clippers to be what it is is better than like changing the name to the los angeles whatever that would be a great name though (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah. the los angeles hey Kawhi, come be a whatever yeah right yeah, yeah. He, yes that is perfect for my personality yeah <laughs>
Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Maury, let's go east. Let's go to Philly, Brooklyn. And I am very thankful that we re- did not record on Monday because uh, I would have had a lot a lot more uh, angry words to say. But let me start off by addressing Philly Twitter, which going into the series completely underrated the Nets, said they sucked, said they were below average on both sides of the ball, said there were no reason to worry about them. Game one and the first half of game two is why you worry about the Brooklyn Nets. They have a lot of guards. They have a lot of three-point shooters. The Sixers' pick-and-roll defense sucks. We saw what happens. Like, they mm-hmm. they can hang with... I mean, Philly played awful in game one. Ben Simmons was just terrible across the board. Joel Embiid has been gutting through this left knee injury, but he is not himself. Jimmy Butler was incredible in game one. He's the only reason that game was remotely competitive. Game two, Philly played pretty well in the first half, and the Nuts hung with them. It was a one-point lead at halftime. You know, like, they, I think they hit, like, ten threes in the first half alone. Like, the Nets were a matchup to fear, and we're seeing why. But then in the third quarter of game two, I guess Brett Brown just lit into the players at halftime, apparently, and was criticizing their defensive effort in particular. Um, so then they come out in the third quarter and just... Absolutely. You know, that's that was the other side of this Nets Philly matchup is like Philly has too much top end talent and the third mm-hmm. quarter put that on display. But that said, it feels like Philly stole the momentum back in the series, but the Nets did what they had to do. They came into Philly, they stole one of two. They're going back home with home court advantage. So going into Thursday's game three, how do you feel about this series, Mort? Oh, I am extremely insecure if I'm Philly, a Philly fan right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm basically speaking on your behalf, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, because, so you've mentioned this ad nauseum on this podcast, like Philly can't guard the point of attack. <laughs> right. And the Dets have three yeah. points of attack. So, and, and that was very apparent in game one. Mm-hmm. I will say this though, had Ben Simmons shown up in game one, it probably would have swung Philly's way. Yeah. So in that sense, I think he's the ultimate X factor for this one. Yeah. I mean, if he shows up and he's actually engaged, and I I don't know what it was. I saw game one, and you know you can never really go off of solely body language, but it just seems like he it seemed like he wasn't engaged. He wasn't involved in the plays. Like he was just pouting, not really doing anything, just moving around, going through the motions. And I think that's the first time I've ever seen Ben that way before like yeah. that dispassionate really yeah. yeah 
Because, like, the Celtics took him out of the game by giving him no respect, but right. he wasn't even trying to force the issue. Like, it, you know, it's such a cliche to say, like, the more physical, aggressive team wins playoff games. But watch game one and watch game two. Watch Ben Simmons in both of those games. And it really was just a change of mindset. Like, Ben yeah. Simmons was not looking to push the ball and attack and force the action in game one. And in game two... Him and Embiid, frankly. Like, you know, Embiid was very clearly hurting in game one. Uh, took five threes in total. I think four of them came in the first, three or four of them came in the first quarter. And three like, of them basically came off of one possession. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, in game two, I don't even remember if he took a single three. He maybe took one or two. but I don't think he did. I don't think he did. Yeah, like, every time he caught it, he would do his little pump fake at the three-point line, which never works or rarely works. Um, but then he would just go and attack because Jared Allen wouldn't fall for it. And then he's like, okay, you're giving me 15 feet of runway. I'm just going to dribble twice, back my big butt down, spin, and I'm going to have a seven-foot hook shot. And yep. Ben Simmons was the same way. Like, all right, you're going to give me that much space. I'm going to go attack. I'm going to attack the paint and force the action there. I think, I mean, Brett Brown deserves credit. I think he made a lot of smart adjustments uh, from right. game one to game two. I think... They installed, you know, the Nets were top-blocking Tobias and JJ in particular, really trying to prevent them from getting the dribble handoffs. They're so prevalent in Philly's offense. So they installed a lot more backdoor cuts in Game 2, which I think, especially against the Nets' zone, um, the Nets, like, have really, you know, the Nets are one of the teams that have used the zone the most this year, and Philly is just tearing it apart. So I don't know if that's a look they can keep going to. Um, TJ McConnell did not get a minute before garbage time in that game too he he unless he's hitting three-pointers or shooting three-pointers he just refuses to shoot them and he just cramps the spacing so much and you know so is he a coward (laughs) he takes them just very (laughs) reluctantly uh but he's he's just too undersized against russell lavert dinwiddie so getting james ennis back for game two is huge um, and it's just absurd that having one competent wing off the bench makes that much of a difference, but it really does, because then you can have Jimmy as the backup point guard, which makes, you know, you could just stay big against the Nets, which is their one weakness. Like, Philly has the clear advantage in terms of front court size. Um, shout out to Bobon. I think my favorite thing from game two was Bobon just raiding in foul line jumpers, and then the camera's cutting to Dikembe Mutombo, who is having the best time of his life. <laughs> He's just, like, cackling and clapping next to Allen Iverson every time, which is great. But Boban played well. Like, this is the one series in the playoffs where he's going to be a factor because the Nets don't have the stretch fives to punish him. And they have – I mean, they've rightly – every time he's on the floor, they attack him with Dinwiddie. They try to get switches and put him in the pick and roll, and he has no chance. Um, Jared Dudley missing game two is big for the Nets. He made a huge impact in game one. We'll see about his availability moving forward, but I would be surprised if he's not available in game three. So I'm with you. I'm not I'm not feeling confident that the Sixers win this series still. I'm not oh, saying Oh, I'm not even conv- I like I'm nervous. Yeah. I'm not even at the point where I'm like eh. no, <laughs> Right, right. I'm, like, I'm I, nervous. I'm, I'm not, sitting there just eating my tea or, or eating eating my nails. Just no. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not picking Sixers in five. My I went with Sixers in six going into the series a lot because I wasn't sure if Embiid was going to play game one. Right. I think he's going to gut it out every game this series. I'm still picking Sixers in six. I think the Nets 
I think they split in Brooklyn. Philly wins in uh, the game five at home and then comes out to Brooklyn and closes it out. I'm leaning towards Philly as well because, like you mentioned, the top tier talent is there. Mm-hmm. Also, Jimmy Butler showed me something in game one. Yeah. Like, I've followed Butler for years and years. I know what he's capable of. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of afraid that that meniscus tear from last year had sort of limited him as a player mm-hmm. because at very few times in during his Philly, Philly tenure at least, had he stepped up in this in this manner. Like he yeah. was just aggressive all throughout getting to the line. He looked – like I tweeted at one point, this is Chicago Jimmy Butler right here. Mm-hmm. Because it was. Like he just kind of had the opportunity maybe because – Embiid wasn't available to the same extent that he usually is or as dominant. Yeah. That just gave Jimmy, you know, carte blanche on with the ball. But he just made the most of it. Game two, that was just a completely different showing from him. But that's, you know, he had an engaged Ben Simmons. You know, Joel was not jacking three, so he was right. more efficient that way. So it's it's just intriguing to kind of trying to figure out what Jimmy can and can't do yeah. <laughs> in this day and age. Like, yeah. I think you will need more from him going forward to yeah. just remain a, a championship contender, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it's like they didn't need him to be game one Jimmy Butler in game two because they had so many other guys come through, like Simmons, Embiid. Right. Tobias Harris woke up a little bit. J.J. Redick woke up a little bit. Uh, but I, I'm with you. Like They need all of their stars playing at a high level. Yeah, you, know, you can't go from 36 to 7 points. Yeah, right. Like, to get, you know, not only to get past Brooklyn, but to get past whoever they face in the second round, most likely Toronto. So, right. yeah, it's... <sighs> I'm still nervous, but I, I'm feeling much better, better than I did 48 hours ago, I can say that much. Mm. Uh, another fan base that was... I don't even know if they were shook after Game 1. I feel like they had to expect it, but Tor- Toronto Orlando, man... I. No matter who I think is, both fan bases were shook. Yeah, like, no matter who is on the effing Raptors, they just can't ever win a game one. It's just like, no. you might as well start the series at game two and just have Toronto down 0-1, because there's no point. They're just always going to be done. But, well, then we wouldn't have seen DJ Augustine just <laughs> flat-out ball. That was amazing. I know. In the year 2019, DJ Augustine had a 25-point playoff game. Incredible. But remember how much we've talked about how Orlando was missing a point guard. They really didn't have anyone. Yeah. And then he went up against Kyle Lowry. Yeah. And just obliterated this all-star. I know. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited for him to outplay Markel Fultz next year. It's going to go really well (laughs) for the Orlando fan base. But Toronto responded with a seismic punch in game two. Kawhi Leonard just single-handedly annihilated them. Uh, Kyle Lowry bounced back. He had the goose egg in game one. Comes back, I think it was like uh, 22 points on 8 of 13 shooting. Pascal Siakam has 19 and 10. You know, 111-82. They just blow the magic out of the water. And I I think this is what we expected this series to be. Like, it's just the magic. Unless DJ Augustine is going off for 25 points a game. And Terrence Ross is coming in off the bench and pouring in a lot. Jonathan Isaac, Nick Vucevic, Aaron Gordon are all playing well. They just don't have the firepower to keep up with the Raptors when they're hitting on all cylinders. Right. This was the wake-up call. Yeah. Like we talked about Golden State and wake-up calls, but yeah. this is the one. I mean, because let, let's just be honest, everyone, you know, looking at that series was like, that's a sweep, right? I mean, I said five. Pond- I said you five. Said, oh, you did? Yeah, because oh, I knew the Raptors, that, 
it's just their history. There's no way they make anything easy. Okay, but in terms of talent level, yeah, like that's yeah. that that should be a sweep. Like theoretically, right. Orlando doesn't have a point guard, <laughs> but but then you know there we go. Yeah. Um, so so everyone came in with the expectation that Orlando is going to Orlando, right. and they've been horrible. And a lot of people are under the belief they shouldn't even be in the playoffs when you think about the quality of their roster and just how many how many crap teams they put together over the years. And yeah. this isn't particularly better. Yeah. Um, like this is basically the result of of Vooch having a career year mm-hmm. like let's be honest right <laughs> um so yeah i mean th- that that first game obviously was was very exciting to watch as like an nba observer yeah i'll say as much yeah you know because the more excited the better but uh, the entire league was just shook i mean i, I was on twitter at the same time and it was like so many people were like this is actually happening right I now. know. I know. <laughs> I'm just, I was so grateful because, you know, Philly-Brooklyn was the first game of the playoffs and Philly just got completely pantsed. And I was like, oh my God, all I'm going to hear about for the next 48 hours is this. Yep. And then Toronto, the next game comes and craps the bed. I'm like, thank you, Toronto. You, <laughs> you stole the thunder. <laughs> I appreciate it. But yeah, I mean, it, whereas Brooklyn and Philly and Denver-San Antonio still feel... Slightly up in the air. Toronto yeah. has all the momentum back in this series. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Oh, like, oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So Look, the thirty-seven point game from Kawhi was a statement. Yeah, that was just him going. You know what? That I'm not gonna allow this. Right. And it's also, you know what? That it should be really encouraging for the Raptors franchise and the fan base because that means he's invested. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, like he he's he looked like a guy who was invested in game two. Right. Yeah, or at least didn't want to get skunked in the first round by the early That Magic. that could be another motivational factor, but I'm yeah. trying to be nice to the, to the Toronto fans. Yeah, that's good. So, what's your updated prediction for this series? Uh, five, maybe six. Like maybe Orlando does it again. Like maybe Toronto, you know, gets overconfident after going up like three one. Oh yeah, yeah. I could see it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm still staying Raptors in five. I just, no, I get it. I didn't but, think. Game one was going to be the one they lost, but <laughs> yeah. in retrospect, of course, it was the one they lost. Of course. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clothes. Clearance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance okay let's go back out west uh and portland okc yeah. this is the one series where the higher seeded team going in was the underdog i know denver san antonio was close but denver was still favored okc entered this series as the favorite portland has just blasted them i'm I, so excited i mean the first I... the first game was close at least but you know game two 
It was just the Damon CJ show. Right. And that was with Ennis Kander not being as big of a factor as Sync Game 1. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, look, I I said this before we started recording because I kind of made fun of you because we had the yeah. big argument yeah. five or six months ago where I, where I said Dame Lillard is so much better than Russ. Mm. It's, and you were like, ah! Yeah. And I had Thunder fans in my mentions. But look, it's so true, man. Yeah. I mean, Dame is just a smarter basketball player. Like, they, when it really comes down to it, I get that Russ is just putting up triple doubles. I get that he has the athletic advantage. I get all of that. But Dame is just a smarter player. Yeah. Like, he just understands, you know, shot selection. Right. You know, right. timely shot making, when to move the ball, when to be aggressive, when to lay off a little bit. He's just, he's really a savant when it comes to, to on-court production. And people haven't really wised up to that yet because the, the word on Dame is still great offensive player, just at best below average defensively. Like, that's, mm-hmm. that's still how you sum up Dame. And it's just not necessarily true anymore. Like, I, yeah, he's not going to be on any all-defensive teams. Right. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But, like, he is so brilliant offensively and understands team defense extremely well. Yeah. He, he's continuously one of the most underrated players in the league. And I think over the first two games here, he's just shown it. Not just off of his volume, but his understanding. And he's also, like really emotionally invested in this series like he wants the better of russ like he wants to come out victorious big time on this one oh for sure he's got some juices flowing and i love it yeah on the defense point he's had three steals each of the first two games of the series Mm -hmm. he had two blocks in game two as well so yeah i mean he's as you said he's not an all defensive caliber player but he can make some impact plays on d uh and i'm with you like i think last year's playoff run left a really bad taste in his mouth because Drew yep. Holiday just erased him in that series. And so this this season, he's come back. To, it's like Lillard time again. And I, I said it last night. Like The NBA playoffs are more fun when Dame Lillard is cooking. Like It it sucked to see him get punked like he did last year. Even and though, the year before. Yeah, yeah. So like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm happy that CJ McCollum could finally go back to Jennifer and say that he won a playoff game. That was good. That was an amazing post-game question. Was it Fred Katz? Who was it? I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, it was spectacular. Um, that was amazing. On the David Russ point, I agree with you. Like, right now, David better than Russ. I still think Russ has a higher ceiling than Dame, but he has a significantly lower floor. And we've seen far more closer to the floor games than we have closer to the ceiling games. Like, right. like Dame can get erased like he did last year by Drew Holiday. But he's not going to necessarily shoot you out of a game. Like, the shots he's throwing up, even if he's missing a bunch, it, they're not usually, like, really ill-advised shots. Just, like, sometimes uh, you're facing an all-defensive guard and, you know, you're, he's right. making life really hard on you. Russ's shot selection, and this has been the big complaint with him for years, his shot selection and his turnovers, he takes some of the dumbest threes... Just these pull-up jumpers, like three-point jumpers in transition, where you're not a good enough shooter to do that. And it just stymies any momentum you you have because, yeah, sometimes you hit them, but more often than not, you don't. And then that leads to a long rebound, a run out, and two points on the other end or three points on the other end. And he had a couple of those in game two where it's just like, I 
don't know what you're doing right now. You're, you're one of six from three. You finished five of 20 from the field. Paul George was 11 of 20. He's the only guy, him and Steven Adams are the only guys who showed up off, offensively in game two. But, I mean, I, the Thunder right now have a math problem on their hands because they can't hit threes. And the yep. Blazers can. And that's been the difference in this series. They also, I mean, Paul George's shoulder, he's, he was a game-time decision in game one, plays through it. The next day says his shoulder's totally fine, which very clearly it is not. But yeah. he at least had a better game in game two. They're only going to go as far as Paul George can take them. Like, they were as good as they were early in the season because Paul George is having an MVP caliber, MVP caliber season. And then after the All-Star break, when he started slumping because of the shoulder, so did they. So... I feel like this series comes down to Paul George's shoulder, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, also, shout out to Al Farouk Aminu and Mo Harkless. They've both been playing really good defense. They're not, you know, they don't show up on the box score all that often, or like you're not super impressed. Neither of them are going to go off at 30 points, but they're both just like gritty players, and they're making life hard on Paul George. So, and they don't demand the ball, which is yeah. terrific offensively, at least, which gives. You know, Damon CJ, the necessary volume and freedom that they need. Seth Curry, too, by the way. Shout yeah. out to Seth. Yeah, yeah. I like, I think it was game one where they were talking about him, like the impact he makes. And then he comes, as they're talking about him, he comes yeah. up with a steal in half court, dribbles down, pull up three in transition, and nails it. It was, ugh. Someone give that guy real money this summer, please. Or is he signed oh, for yeah, two yeah. more years or another year? No, 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 he's no. A free he's, he's a free agent. He's a free agent. Good. By the way, just just to round out Russ. So in game one, if you noticed, like he had to drive so many times. Like he finished with a lot of layups. Yeah. Because as, on so many occasions, like he would get a either high screen or he would just get the step on his defender, mm-hmm. and he would just glide in for a layup. Like that was there. That play was there far more frequently than what he utilized it for. Right. Because then he would counter on the next position with like a <laughs> pull-up long two yeah, or a three. It. Like where it's just, you have the drive, you have a layup and you're converting them. Like yeah. get in towards the basket at the very least, at some point you'll get hacked and then right. you'll go to the free throw line. Like that's, just play it smart, man. It's so obvious. Yeah. I mean, Anis Cantor, you said he had a hell of a game in game one, 20 points, 18 rebounds. Yeah. If you're the Thunder, you need to play him off the floor. That right. should be your primary objective. Like, he is too slow-footed defensively, especially against an explosive guard like Russ. You need to routinely get him in pick-and-rolls and either leave an open driving lane to the basket or give it to a shooter not named Russ to take some shots, you know, that he leaves wide open. But uh, they're, they're, the Thunder are just such a frustrating team because they should be better, but... It's just like they've been, this has just been their MO all year. Like they just, they don't have, they need like one more reliable scorer, I feel like. So obviously he took time off off of personal reasons Mm -hmm. and you have to respect that for whatever it was. But, um, you know, Abrinas, Alex Abrinas, he would have helped so much in this series because he would, he would have been able to spot up and stretch the floor. For sure. Um, So, so let's hope that. You know, I know they re- they released him, right? I like he's, believe so. Yeah. yeah. Let's hope that everything turns out well for him mm-hmm. and whatever he has going on, and then he can make a return to the Thunder yeah. eventually Yeah. Um, and, and be the player that they're 
hoping that he can be because he would have he would have made such a difference in this series. Or they can just steal Seth Curry this summer, so someone can finally pay Seth Curry what he deserves that would, to make. That would be a very very smart idea. I've been basically banging the Seth Curry drum since 2016. <laughs> so far, both. nobody. Yeah. I know. God. Was it two years, seven million he signed for in debt? No, two, two years, years, six, six million. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It's outrageous. And then he got one year to two million and eighty this yeah. year. Ugh. Uh, okay, so I picked OKC in six in this series. I'm I'm off of that. What's your prediction? <laughs> I picked forward? OKC, too. Yeah. Um, because of their defense. But yeah. here's the thing. You kind of need offense to win games. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> right. And they haven't really provided any of it. And... Look, I'm just gonna be real. Russ looks terrible, yeah. absolutely terrible. Yeah, they they're not gonna continue shooting 15 percent from downtown. They're definitely gonna take a few wins uh-huh. at some point. Uh-huh. But I, I I probably have Portland in six. I think I'm doing Portland in five. I Jeez. I just I don't know. I mean, like I've seen. I know game one was close, but unless Russ plays smarter, which I don't. I don't know. We'll we'll see. Game three is going to be the big swing game. Like if OKC yeah. can't win game three, it's definitely Portland in four or five. But yeah. if they if they do win game three, it's a series again. So we'll see. Also, there. the the percentage of coming back after a two o two deficit is pretty low, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not not that that means anything. It's right. just interesting. Right. Yeah. It's not. Right. Yeah. Not great. Um. Okay. Let's go. So the the other three series we're recording this on Wednesday. So all three of these series play tonight. They're all at one game apiece right now. So we don't have as much to draw upon, but we can at least start with Houston, Utah, which um, I did not see. So okay. you, this is all you. Good. Well, here's all I have to say is and I said this in our outline to throw in a topical Game of Thrones reference because I finally got to this point in the series. James Harden flayed the Jazz like Ramsey Bolton flayed three on Greyjoy. <laughs> like, just absolutely, the Jazz tried the whole Milwaukee Bucks, forced him to one side strategy. And James Harden's like, I, what are you doing, guys? I'm not here for this nonsense. <laughs> I'm, I'm James Harden. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, he had 29 points, 10 assists, 8 rebounds, and only 33 minutes. Just completely annihilated them as a scorer and a passer. Uh, the Rockets had seven guys in double figures. It was just like a really impressive, well-rounded effort from them. The Jazz, here's the one thing I don't want this series to become, become, which it already somewhat has, is a referendum on Rudy Gobert's Defensive Player of the Year candidacy. Because A, it's a regular season award, so this stuff doesn't matter. Yeah. And B... This is arguably the worst matchup in the NBA for him. Maybe the Warriors, especially with DeMarcus Cousins out. But there are like a very select handful of teams that can play him off the floor. And I get it. If you're arguing Giannis is DPOY and that you can't play Giannis off the floor, that's fine. But against 27 or 26 other teams, Gobert doesn't get played off the floor and he's the anchor. Right. For the Jazz defense. It's just like when you have these explosive ball-dominant guards like James Harden and Chris Paul who could pull up from anywhere and who are consistent shooters from deep, it's really tough for him. 
he doesn't yes he like doesn't have the foot speed to close out on a guard and then get back to the rim like it their strategy is to keep him close to the rim because that's where he's best that's that is fine but you know he's still right. he had 22 points 12 rebounds he had a decent game he had i think he was like a minus 20 something that game so well this is what we were afraid of moving into the series like we just didn't think they had the personnel to slow down james harden and so far that's played out exactly as expected so right i don't know what they can do i mean i i think the whole like force him to wide side strategy that's not the answer but i don't know what is like I, unfortunately i just think this is a really bad matchup for utah and you know this is the crappy part of houston falling to fourth like if utah played portland they would have a chance to move on but they just drew the worst possible matchup that they could and and i feel like so far, what we've seen playing out is what we expected. Now, this could all look really dumb in like 12 hours if Utah beats them tonight and steals home court advantage. But, you know, right now it feels like Houston is very firmly in control of this series. So here's the problem. When you're trying to guard or limit James Harden, you're effectively saying, I think I can stop or at least limit this error's version of the offensive-minded Michael Jordan. <laughs> right. Right. And I'm, I know that people are like, oh, did he just throw the MJ cop? Yeah. Offensively, I did. Yeah. Absolutely. The dude just averaged 36 points in a season. I know. Free throws, threes. I get it. I don't care. Yeah. Like, in, in terms of raw volume and in terms of raw efficiency and all that, like, yeah. This is our generation's Michael Jordan from an offensive standpoint. Like, obviously, he's not Mike, but he's he's lacking that other end uh, yeah. capabilities. But. So, so when you are set up as a defense and you're going into the, to, to this series, you have to have the mindset of how can we just make him work for it? Mm-hmm. Like, can we tire him out, you know, eventually? Like, that's what, you, what you're hoping for. If you're coming in with great expectations, hey, you know what, let's turn James Harden into a 15-point score, that's not going to happen. Right. That's not going to happen. And if, if people put blame on Gobert for not stopping the second-best scoring guard <laughs> of all time. Right. Because that's what he is when you when you combine like all the the different ways he can score and just how creative he is and all that, like then you have a problem. Like yeah. Gobert is not the one you should be pointing fingers at. Yeah. If anything, you should just be pointing fingers at Harden and going, "Why are you so damn good?" <laughs> right. And here's what I'd be most concerned about if I'm a Jazz fan. Harden only attempted three free throws in Game One. Like. They they beat them by 32, and he didn't even need to get to the line all that much. I mean, yes, that's, go, that's one of the primary ways he scores. He'll shoot 33 tonight. Right. Like, he, he <laughs> will draw a lot of contact to go in. And maybe maybe that is the Gobert deterrent factor. Maybe he doesn't want to drive in as much as he usually does because he knows Gobert is there. But he also might want to try to get Gobert in foul trouble, as we thought heading into the series. So... I'm not feeling great about Utah's chances. I think I had Houston in five coming into the series. Nothing I saw in game one has me moving off of that stance. So obviously, like I said, at the top, I didn't watch this game. I just didn't have the time for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so so my pick is unchanged. Uh, I was still Houston, but yeah, I mean, look, Utah just needs more offense, right? I mean, yeah. we, we just, let's not, let's stop beating around the bush. They yeah. need more. We talked about it. You know, in the previous episode, they need like a Nikola Mirotic or something like right. that. They need a secondary offensive floor stretcher and, and creator, and, and they just don't have it. So that's a problem. You can have the greatest defense on earth, 
and that's tremendous. But you need more. Yeah, they don't have more. Yeah, I I think unfortunately they're they're kind of screwed in this series. Moving forward, I feel like the answer is move Donnie to the point. Let Rubio walk this summer as a free agent. Move Donnie to the point, and yeah, you need. A, a combo forward. I know, like Andy Bailey of Bleacher Report has been kind of clamoring for that for Utah for a while. That they, they need a another reliable scoring combo forward because yeah, Donnie can't do it all on his own. Or right, I mean, Gobert is a an impactful offensive player, but he's not creating offense for himself. Like he led the team with twenty two points, but you know he's not going to shoot threes or he's not going to create off the dribble. A lot of it's going to be in close which is great like he knows his limitations but you can't rely on him to dig your way out of a playoff series so it's really just donnie and he he shot seven of 18 from the field in game one Mm. i mean he was one of only three players to take 10 field goal attempts it's like they just don't they don't have that secondary scoring option that they need but you want to move him down to the point because, yeah. I, I mean, that could be interesting because we were talking about Jamal Murray earlier. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a souped-up version yeah. of the of that particular point guard caliber. Like, a, a non-traditional point guard yep. who will score a ton. But, like, I, I do think that then you would absolutely need, you know, someone who can initiate the offense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what Utah does moving forward. Right. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance hi it's jamie progressive number one number two employee leave a message at the hey jamie it's me jamie this is your daily pep talk i know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group mad harmony but you will bounce back i mean you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the name your price tool it should be you giving me the pep talk now get out there hit that high note and take mad harmony all the way to nationals this year sorry it's pitchy Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Uh, okay, let's go Milwaukee-Detroit. There is nothing to say about this series. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. Okay. Giannis yeah. stole the ball <laughs> at his own three-point line, took one dribble, and then dunked it off the other three-throw line. Yeah. Like, that... Can we just talk about that? I don't care about the series. It's, right. it's over with. It's done right. for it. Like, right. it's, and, and, you know... A few moments of silence as well for Blake Griffin's uh, season ending. Well, it's unlikely at least, right? I don't yeah. think it's been confirmed, but yeah. I think it was Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports who reported he is likely to miss this entire series. He is clamoring to play. We'll see what happens. But he had a hell of a season. I don't want him to risk mm. further injury Agreed. when you're not going to beat this Bucks team either way. Just like... right. If you are at no risk of further injury, that's fine, and I can get wanting to go down with the ship, but I can't imagine you are at no further risk of injury, and like he's just been so visibly hobbled over the last couple weeks that... Yeah, I don't, don't know. Risk. Yeah, it's right. Uh, it's, 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 and it's against it. the Bucks. You don't. Yeah, you don't have a chance. So I, I think this series, right, does that... You know how people are always saying, like, Duke could beat Cleveland? Yeah. 
or whatever. Yeah. Like, this is the brew because the, the, the difference in quality for these two teams, at least with Detroit without Blake. Yeah. That's, yeah, approximately Cleveland Duke, I think. This is what we see. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is the t- same type of blowout we'll see. Right. Yeah. I thought you were yeah. saying, like, Detroit without Blake oh, against no, no, no. Duke this year. Duke oh no 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 no! They would they would they would. You're you're saying uh, that skull love Duke. Yes, in that scenario, Milwaukee is Cleveland and the D- yes. Detroit is yeah Duke, Duke. And, yes, and they would yes. still get destroyed by thirty. Correct. E- exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. I mean, there's I, there's just nothing to say. The only thing I could say is that I hope the NBA, if Milwaukee goes up 3-0, I just hope they end the series prematurely. Just mercy rule this thing. Cause like, yeah, so I, I saw a lot of people say that. Like, Bucks in three, Bucks in three. Yeah, yeah. I had, like, Bucks in a half. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> I just, I'm scared because, like, I, all it takes is one freak's injury and then Milwaukee's chances moving on to the finals are screwed because they had to play these meaningless games in the first round and... That sucks. I like how you put the S at the end of that. One freaks injury, like Greek freaks <laughs> yeah. injury. I like that. That yeah. was very creative. I Thank see what you. you did there. I well, liked it. But even, I mean, good. to Middleton, to Bledsoe, whatever, it's just like yeah. I don't want any of these guys to get hurt, but they have to play just by rule. Like they can't. I mean, well, they, Giannis played 23 minutes. Yeah. He still ended up grabbing 17 rebounds <laughs> in 23 minutes, by the way. Yeah. It's outrageous. That's, yeah. yeah, I'm not feeling good about my Toronto in the finals pick all of a sudden. So. I, I I have Milwaukee all the way through it yeah. right now. I'm, I'm so high on them. Yeah. Um, oh, God, do we really have to close up our podcast with, with Boston, Indiana? <laughs> uh, I, I saw that game, but oh, I wish I hadn't. <laughs> it's so bad. I did not it watch horrible. it because I, I just knew, A, I was still mad about the Sixers, and B, I was tra- trying to catch up on Game of Thrones, and C, I knew this was coming. It like Yeah, you're right. We said you're it. right. Without Oladipo, they just don't have the offensive firepower. The pace. Well, you said it. I was actually leaning a little bit towards Indiana because of the chemistry, but yeah. you know, this is this is a a Houston, uh, Utah situation, right? Yeah. I mean, Indiana has all the defense that you could use, yep. and you neither you could ask for, but they just don't have the offensive firepower. Like, yeah. I, I think Thaddeus Young was outstanding. Like he was just you know, playing the passing lanes. You know, Dropping down on the floor for loose ball, he was yeah. doing everything. Five steals, uh, yeah, and and they just couldn't do anything in the second half. Like yeah. they were just toast, and and there was no shot making. I kind of want to see what they've got in Aaron Holiday a little bit more. Like mm. it's at this point, you can't really lose anything. Right, I, I want them to give him twenty minutes off the bat, like in game two, mm. and see if he can do something. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the problem. Just they don't have guys. Who can reliably create shots for themselves, except for Bogdanovich and Oladipo? Is that he's that go-to guy? Like Tyreek Evans should be that, but for whatever reason, the magic. Yeah, like you know, he had that great year last year, and when they signed him this summer, it was like, oh, that's a good fit. He could be the Oladipo off the bench, and they could have a similar type player for all forty-eight minutes. And he just my sixth man of the year, my preseason sixth man of the year, let me down yet again. Um, and Wes Matthews was a nice, you know, buyout pickup, but still just, he's not giving you what Oladipo did. Like they have I just did not understand what he would do there. Yeah. Like he, it would have made so much more sense if he had went to Philly. 
Yeah, if he wanted... I, I mean, he wanted minutes. I get that. And, like, he's playing for his next contract. So I totally understand why he went there. Well, does but... he also want round two? Because that <laughs> right. means more minutes. Right, right. That I mean, correct. Yeah, he would have been a... He would have been a very welcome addition to Philly because Lloyd knows James Ennis has made a huge impact. Like the Sixers had to place effing Jonathan Simmons for real minutes in game one. And look how that went. So, yeah, I, you know, I wish both him and Wayne Ellington, but I, oh, I'm not going to begrudge either of those guys. They went to playoff teams they are playing more minutes. They're playing, you know, they're starters. They're just trying to like yeah. rope a dope someone into giving them the mid level exception exception this it's, summer. I mean, it's it's fine. I I can appreciate Wayne Ellington signing with Detroit so he can have an up close personal look at Giannis becoming <laughs> yeah, just like a godlike right. <laughs> presence. Yeah, right. yeah, you that's wanna, fine. You want to bow at, at the king before it's too late. Uh, yeah. Oh man, I, this this series sucks. I don't think this is. Like if I'm ranking the series in terms of what I'm watching moving forward, oh yeah, this might be yeah. dead last because like Milwaukee, Detroit's going to be a complete blowout every time. But at least as you said, like Giannis is probably going to do one thing per game at least. Where it's just like, how did a human being accomplish this? Like yes, yeah. <laughs> how did he go seventy five feet or whatever, like seventy feet in one dribble? That's not allowed. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this is, I mean, this was a rock fight. It's 84 to 74 in the year 2019, where offenses have never been better. The Boston Celtics won a playoff game scoring 84 points. The Indiana Pacers in the third quarter, they scored eight points, right? Yeah. Ugh. This is why, I mean, coming, you know, once, once Philly locked itself out of seeing Boston in the first round. I floated on Twitter, would they be better off falling to four so they get the Pacers in the first round instead of the Nets? Yep. And they, they would have. Yeah, a lot of people were like, no, that's stupid. I'm like, have you seen the Indiana Pacers since Oladipo went down? I know they, they kept it together, at least at first, but like over the past month, the Pacers just... This is what happens to them. They have a good defense still. I mean, they held Boston at 84. That's impressive. That's a game you should win. If the Boston Celtics score 84 points, you should beat them. But they just don't have the offense to match the defense, and it sucks. Yep. They don't have the offense, the the on-ball creativity, playmaking. Like, look at, theoretically, if you threw, like, an elite playmaker into that group, not counting Oladipo in this, I get Mm -hmm. that he's... You know, a, a terrific scorer, but he's not an elite playmaker. You catch my drift? Yeah, yeah. Like if they threw just one of those guys in alongside, uh, you know, a healthy Oladipo, mm-hmm. this team would be right up there with the Boston's and the Phillies and the Toronto's and the Milwaukee's for sure. Like they need so little, yet <laughs> they still need so much because what those guys would provide for them. Is, is the ability to just add layers to their offense. Right now, they just have nothing. It's basically dribble handoffs and spot-ups. That's that's about it. You don't have this constant you know, presence who can will himself to the free-throw line and right. will himself to 27 points. And I'm frankly beginning to become a little bit worried about Miles Turner in, mm-hmm. in terms of his offensive development. I Defensively, he's there. Mm-hmm. 
but I was looking for more, man. Yeah. Uh, when you have a when you have that shooting ability, and when you're six eleven, long arm, and you're also pretty athletic, I don't know. I'm I'm looking him for him to do more, and he's just constantly not doing so. Yeah, six shot attempts in game one is not going right. to cut it. But I think a lot of that's just the Al Horford factor. Well, I mean, when you, even when you look at the regular season, right? Yeah, he's that's just, true. That's true. I mean, Depot played what thirty? I'm just looking up thirty six games. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Turner played seventy four. He finished with like for an average of thirteen point seven rebounds. Mm-hmm. Like that's just not good enough. Yeah. And, and I mean, he had so much time and and to get acclimated to being you know a a more central figure. There's just no reason why he shouldn't be putting up like eighteen and eight. Yeah. At the very least. Yeah. Like, that should be his floor. Right. I mean, that's what you, you're you hoping for. Like, like, John Collins numbers, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He. Oh, God, he was so good. He was at almost 20 and 10 this yeah, year. Yeah, it was like 19 and 9, right? Yeah. 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 But you're right. I mean, that's what you're paying him all of that money for. It was like, what, four years, 84 million, I want to say, something like right. that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're not paying for six points in a playoff game. Or and five points. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. I, I think maybe maybe this is the wake up call. Maybe after game one. I hope so. Like maybe maybe he realized, oh, there's really nobody here to take shots. Right. Like I can right. have I can take whatever I want. Like it's a complete green light for me. Yeah. Yeah. I hope he does it. That's that's the one thing that would intrigue me to watch game two. That's literally everything that would intrigue me. I know. Me. There's yeah. This is is this the NBA T V game tonight? No, it's I not. Am. It's the TNT game. Oh, gross. Oh, wow. Well, it's because okay. Detroit-Milwaukee is the NBA TV game. Well, the, the Milwaukee game is NBA TV? Yeah, really? Because they know it's not going to be competitive. Yeah, I guess. It Still, even so, it's Giannis. Like, yeah, give him I prime am. time. Yeah, I, mean. I know. I know. All right. Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have come together to create a better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders encircling you with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. When it comes to investing in innovation, trust the experts. RoboGlobal provides laser-focused investment portfolios that deliver access to robotics, AI, and healthcare innovation globally. The HTech portfolio captures the technologies transforming the medical space, providing unique exposure to best-in-class companies. Investors, turn to this diversified approach backed by research from the experts. Learn more today at RoboGlobal.com HTEC. All right, before we wrap up, I'm going to spring one thing on you. We need to talk about Luke Walton. Because yeah, uh, last time we recorded, I believe, was Friday morning. So Luke Walton got... I, they said it was like a mutual separation, right? I don't think they called mm-hmm. it a firing. But he he wanted out of his contract, and the, the Lakers obliged him. Um, and the Kings quickly pounced. So Luke Walton is... He went from one very stable organization in the Lakers to another very stable organization in the Sacramento Kings, and he is now the Sacramento Kings head coach. Uh, how do you like the fit there? Would you have liked to see the Kings run a more comprehensive search for their next head coach, or do you think it's cool that like Vladia was just like, you know, we want Luke Walton, let's just go get him right away? So actually, I will say, no, under normal circumstances, I would always go for like the big coaching search. Yeah. 
But this is Luke Walton, who's got a pretty good resume, who's young, has a lot of potential as a coach, who got screwed over in LA big time. <laughs> yeah. And who will have such a big chip on his shoulder yeah. for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. When you put all that together, I don't mind that the Kings went out and got their guy. Like okay. this is one of their one of their one of the few times where I've been like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, like that makes sense. That's fair. And besides, like maybe you know, with not having Dave Yeager, who apparently presented some issues yep. in, in the locker room or not in the locker room, but in like in the front office and like just didn't fit with the organizational structure. Maybe this is actually a very welcome addition for for a franchise that's trying to stabilize themselves. Yeah, uh, I don't trust Vladi's, <laughs> uh, let's say, view on talent necessarily. <laughs> you you but, don't think Marvin Bagley should be a small forward? I I I know. I really, really I can't even come. I I can't overstate how much I wouldn't want that. Um, but but the thing is. Right now, they actually have a pretty competent roster. Yeah. I, just by sheer magic, I guess. It, it just came about. And Luke, I feel, would is, is just a perfect guy to run that. Like, yeah. there isn't going to be a LeBron or some sort of franchise-altering 35-year-old guy that's going to come into that team and dictate everything. Like, he's going to have time to work now. Yeah. Which I is hope. interesting. I hope so. Right. Right. And if not, he's then he'll be out of a job in about three months because that's what the Kings sometimes right. do. Right. <laughs> right. Well, I, working in his favor is that he and Vlade were teammates for 15 games in 2004-2005. I just had to go back and look this up. But they did play together for the Lakers. So they Bros have, forever. Yeah. Bros so forever. They have yeah. some familiarity there, which is nice. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind this. Because I think Luke would have been snapped up pretty quickly regardless. So if you're identifying mm-hmm. him as your top target, which they seemingly did even before Luke got fired. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, you know, go like as a Bulls fan, who would you rather have, Luke Walton or Jim Boylan? I was actually just going to say something of that vein. <laughs> yep. You know what I was going to say? I was going to say the old Chicago fan in me would have pointed out very, very uh, astutely that both – uh, Luke Walton and David Griffin was available were available Correct. at the same time. Yeah, and coming through this summer with the remaining contract of John Paxson and Jim Boylan, who will then be extended, obviously, right, is probably not a great look when you had two wildly more talented and and competent people available. Hey, but John Boylan preaches toughness, and he taught them how to run burpees. So. Yeah, he's a much better great. fit. Mm-hmm. That's 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 just wonderful, and I can't wait to hear him talk about it for eighty-two games. <laughs> I'm I'm excited to see Luke with De'Aaron Fox. I think that yep. could be a lot of fun. I like. I don't think he needs to change much schematically from what they what Jaeger did. Like, just run a super fast system. You have the horses. Let them run. Just don't don't bog down the half court and don't play Marvin Bagley at the three. And you're going to be I, in pretty good shape. I can't believe you haven't made one connection yet. Or maybe it's been made on Twitter. I just haven't seen it. So what did Vivek call Buddy Heald? Was he <laughs> trade for? Uh, wait, was it... I, Stauskas was the shoots like Steph, big like Clay, right? 
I think it was. But and then Buddy Heal was Stephen Curry 2.0. Ah, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Who, who coached oh, Touche. Touche. Yeah, there we go. I mean, hey, I'm not even going to make fun of Buddy Heald because he, he had a hell of yeah, a season good. this year. Yeah. I, he, oh, hey, there's nothing there. I'm just saying yeah. I could see why that would, like, add to it. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, if nothing else, hopefully Luke just forgets everything that happened in the last three years. Like, just washes the yeah. Lakers. Out of the way. Yeah. yeah. But, like, he can, he does have that experience from the Warriors system. So he can bring those qualities to the Kings, and I'm sure that makes him attractive to the Kings. Like, they want yep. to set a championship culture. Unfortunately, what they probably don't realize is that it starts at the top with your ownership and front office, which, given the instability there... I don't... Ownership is the biggest advantage in sports. It really is. And, like, again, I hate to keep going back to the Clippers, but, like, look at the Clippers. Look at how quickly they've turned around that culture since Steve Ballmer took over. It's not a coincidence. Can I make a prediction? Yeah. We were talking about Seth Curry and his future. Mm -hmm. I think he ends up with the Kings and his old buddy Luke. And Luke knows his game. And Luke knows his brother. There's a connection there. Yeah. Oh, man. They could use more shooting off the bench. I would like that a lot. And, And he was in Sacramento previously. Yeah. So they know his game. Yeah. That's a good call. I dig it. I dig it. Uh, all right, that's a good place to wrap up. Although apparently Dwayne Casey just said he's hoping Blake Griffin returns tonight for what it's worth. So oh so, no, don't do it. Yeah. Come on, but oh. but maybe the NBA TV game will be the game to watch over the brick fest that is Indiana Boston. But uh, everyone, I hope you enjoy. I hope you've enjoyed the start of the playoffs. Keep watching. We'll we'll keep pumping out some episodes. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter. At the NBA Pod, you can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five star reviews. We're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Until next time, I'm Brian Tapork, and I was joined as always by Morton Jensen. Mort, have a good one. Stay clear of those Infinity War spoilers, man. I am so so annoyed about uh, i mean the internet right now infuriates me <laughs> why why would the internet post spoilers right now i do, i get it i know why but yeah. it still sucks i yeah. i appreciate the heads up yeah uh, sorry end game spoilers i got the yeah end game. Yeah. yeah should we just give a heads up to to our listeners yeah. as well yeah because i assume that there are a lot of of marvel fans out there yeah so apparently someone got a a, got into like a press screening or whatever I don't know how but someone got into a screening of the movie earlier and apparently recorded it on their phone and then went home and actually edited out the most spoiler things during like a five minute reel mm-hmm. and that video is spreading thankfully I have not seen I only seen a thumbnail which I wish I hadn't seen yep and the verge wrote an article about it like some people did this and oh, it's no. out there no and so, so you know they wrote an art they didn't obviously link to it like they just warned people that, yeah and it also coincided with the russo brothers who like directed okay. endgame yeah coming out and saying don't spoil endgame nice so and, and these these people will post like it's spreading like wildfire wildfire fire on the on the web and like people will link to that video 
um, under major accounts like Vogue and Shams, and like even if it's not movie related, they will just post it there because they know like they have millions of followers and whatnot. Yeah. And people will click on tweets and respond. So just heads up, guys. It's a week away or so. Yeah. Go into like media lockdown mode. Yeah. Just limit your time on Twitter and especially Facebook. Yep. And yeah, uh, try to get out clean on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. One more week. And one more sa- week. Same thing with Game of Thrones. If if and when that ever leaks, do not post it anywhere. Don't be that yeah. guy or yeah. that girl. Don't be that guy or that girl or that dog or whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> dolphin. I don't know. Yeah. Just don't be that dolphin. Indeed. Yeah. All right. Catch you later, Bart. Catch you later, Brian. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> all right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.